a lot of folks will think because they've watched these clips or they've Googled something that they know what to do when the situation strikes. Uh, and that's when people get hurt, is when they misapply what they think they know to situations that they're unfamiliar with. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From the Federal Resources Studio, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service just like you from coast to coast. When you did your early training, did you make a lot of mistakes? If so, you likely learned more from the screw-ups than anything else. It was valuable experience and hard to replace effectively. But my guest today says a lot of today's younger firefighters are shortcutting their training and missing the point of it by using the Internet. Benjamin Martin is a lieutenant with a large Metro Fire Department in Virginia. With over 16 years in public safety, he speaks around the country on leadership. He's the owner of the leadership training company Embrace the Resistance. And Benjamin Martin joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for your time this morning talking with me. This concept came to you while you were watching some new recruits going through the Denver drill. Tell me what you saw. I was helping with the Denver drill, which if you guys remember, that was, uh, I think it was firefighter uh, Marfin Langort, who got stuck in a very small room. And they couldn't get him out. I mean, multiple companies for a long time, and he ended up succumbing to his injuries and dying. So when I went through this, uh, which my, I started in 2002 and I went through a professional academy in 2006, uh, we struggled as well. We couldn't figure this thing out. Um, and it was probably the most humbling 45 minutes of the entire academy. And we didn't have the largest victim either. We just couldn't figure it out. So fast forward 13 years, I was the training lieutenant of the academy and I got a chance to come out and help teach. We have a Mayday cadre that's very good at what they do. And I was helping with the Denver drill and these folks got it the first time, which just floored me. You know, there's always somebody in there that maybe has taken the class before, but this group, I knew for a fact, none of them had previous experience. And when I asked them about it, they all had kind of high-fived each other and smiled and said, well, we did Google it, as if that was going to provide them the answer for everything. So it was kind of eye-opening. You know, I talked to them a little bit more about it at length, about you know, where they were they getting their information from. And I admired the fact that they wanted to come in and, and have an idea for stuff. But I think at the same time, if you get it from the wrong source or you don't think about it completely or the worst case, you don't try it at all. You just watch it and file it away and think it'll work later. I think it can get you in some trouble and, and probably the biggest trouble it can get you in is thinking you know more than you actually do, which I think is definitely a symptom of, of today's young fire officer. All right. But now as it concerns the Denver drill in particular, as long as they know what to do and how to do it, how is that a problem? I have no problem with them succeeding, but I think a lot of times when you apply this to training as a whole, if you do something and the outcome is success, 
you don't really know if it works for sure. Maybe you got lucky or the circumstances uh, were different than you were applying them for. I think you see a lot of this in handline selection, right? You clearly picked the wrong handline, but by the grace of God, that smaller handline was able to put it out. But you really should have pulled the, that larger handline. And it's the same thing with this. I would have loved for them to have tried some different things and some things specifically to the Denver drill I've seen. I've seen people try to act as tabletops with their backs, which is poor posture and, and gives them no strength and no leverage as opposed to the wedge. Um, I've seen people call in uh, a third person instead of just trying to do it as two. Uh, we've seen people stick ladders in from the outside and, and have that act as a lever to help leverage them out and pull them out. So when they succeed the first time, they lose all that. I mean, so it's not that we're rooting for them to fail, but we definitely want them to come away with some lessons that kind of reinforce that, yes, you were successful, and that was by design. That wasn't by luck. So what they're missing is that some of these exercises are actually about critical thinking, not about solving the problem the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And this is really true, for, I think, for the academy. I think it's also true for when you're an incumbent, but really in the academy is the strength of the fire service has always been the collective brain trust. You know, we show up as, as the many as opposed to the one. And that's a lot of what separates us from police officers. You know, they show up to somebody's worst day by themselves and all the decisions and all the power and all the strength comes from them. We show up, you know, and, and where I work, we've got three folks. And if I don't know the answer, I can bounce it off of them. And it's not long before a second unit shows up and I've got three more people to bounce it off of. And that's how we solve things. So when you've got one person who's researched this on Google and takes that learning experience away from the other group, they don't learn to bounce stuff off each other in the moment. And there's a lot of stuff that they learn in that. Followership's a big thing. If you've ever been in a drill that's going sideways, then you have somebody that typically will try to talk over somebody else, and then they get to arguing. And that's a great learning moment to pull that back and be like, hey, one person is in charge. There's a time and a place when it's appropriate to suggest things. And this is not it. And then you work through that model. And then they leave the academy as a whole able to participate on a team better than when they came in. Because that's really, I mean, we run a 30-week academy, and that's really what it is about for us is our goal is to break you down as an individual and build you back as a teammate. And that's, we think we need 30 weeks to do that and give you a fundamental understanding of what it is that we do in our agency. So um, not a, it was certainly, again, not rooting for them to fail but we definitely want them to, to get some learning along the way. And I think a lot of that happens uh, when you're disappointed in yourself. Uh, I wrote about it. I called it your authentic motivation. You know, where a lot of times you just go do stuff because somebody else is doing it because you want to copy them or emulate them. Um, the things that I have failed in, I never, ever, ever want to feel that way about it again. And that's what drives me to be better and, and put all the hours in on the blacktop, throwing ladders and, and forcing hosts, not just because I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses. You've called this artificial experience. Why is that? There's a lot of pressure in today's fire service, and I think a lot of it comes from social media and the ability that, you know, I can connect very easily somebody on the West Coast and see what they're doing, and I can get multiple ideas on hose lines and ladders, forcible entry, and I can come back to my group in the firehouse, and if they're not plugged in as well, then I've got an advantage. I've got some knowledge that they don't have. But that doesn't mean that uh, I've tried it. You know, I've just watched it. Because until you proved that it works for you, then it's not really experience. It's just something you've learned. But a lot of folks will think because they've watched these clips or they've Googled something that they know what to do when the situation strikes. Uh, and that's when people get hurt is when they misapply what they think they know to situations that they're unfamiliar with. 
and they rush in and, and they make a bad choice or they use something and they don't see that it's not working. And they have no plan B or C because they've never practiced beyond that. You know, they've never actually practiced beyond the failing. So I think a lot of that offers some value to us. I'll be back with more right after this. When that call comes in and you rush to head out, the last thing you're thinking about is your safety. But your safety is all Federal Resources thinks about. At Federal Resources, we work to make sure that every responder is equipped, trained, and ready to come home safely. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. I'm wondering if this is more serious now that we have decreasing numbers of actual structure fires so they get less real-world experience. I think the short answer is yes. I think what you've spoken to is correct. If you have less fires, then by nature you're going to have less experience. But I don't think that means that we have a bad product. I don't think that means that we put on bad academies or that people can't have long, fruitful careers where they gain a lot of experience. I think the key to overcoming that is humility, is always constantly seeking out what you don't know and never catering to the bravado that I see a lot of folks get. And I don't know if you've seen this in your experience, but this is typical for me. It feels like somewhere around the two, three, four-year mark, uh, you get this 220 idea where people that have been on two years think they've been on 20 because they've gotten comfortable riding the backseat and maybe they're driving. And, and some agencies, they may even be riding in charge calling the shots. But then one call, and it only takes one call to just shake them to their core about, holy crap, I had no idea what I didn't know. And that's where mentoring comes in. You know, when I can pull a young guy or girl aside and be like, hey, you don't know everything you think you do. These are some areas you can work on. And I have spent the time to build a relationship with them in which they take that advice. And they're not mad that I've told them about their shortcomings. They're excited about it. Like, that's where the fire service wins. And I think we can do a lot with that if we recognize it. Instead of lamenting the fact that we don't go to enough fires anymore, we just take advantage of the times that we have to train. We take advantage of the conversations at the firehouse where those senior guys and girls are passing down their experience through stories and rituals. And we stay hungry and we never stay satisfied. I think as long as we do those things, I don't think it matters how many fires we go to. I think we'll always be prepared to meet the mission if we put that idea first. Is there a way that we can overcome this artificial experience? I mean, there's no way to keep people from using technology. So do you just tell them on day one, hey, don't do this, or how do you fix it? Oh, not at all. And I, I don't discourage it. I just recognize that my role as an instructor is I've got to move beyond that. So uh, part of the things that, uh, you know, we try to really drive on is we challenge it, but we don't kill it. So I like the fact that they're creative in trying to find solutions. I like the fact that they're going outside. And the classic example of this is they go away to a conference and they come back and they're super excited about something they learned. And then they try to present it to the guys at the kitchen table and they crap all over it. And they're like, no, that's not how we do things here. And like, what a waste that is. I would much rather go out and give this idea the half hour, couple hours that it deserves, put it through its paces, and see if it works. And if it doesn't work for us, then that's okay. And now we know it won't work for us. I can remember going to the Nozzle Ford, which was probably the best class I've, I've ever taken, and I think a lot of people would say the same. 
And they did this, I forget what it was, the Cleveland load, I think, where they turned a minute man into these uh, stacked loops that would play off the top. And I practiced that when I got back with our department. And I pulled my senior guy in. I was an officer at the time. And I told him, I'm like, this is going to change the way we fight fire in this department. I was so excited. And we drilled and drilled and drilled on that. And then we had the steps down where we felt comfortable converting it. And then we went up to our drill school to flow some water. And we were on pond conquest hose. So our inch and three quarter, especially under higher pressures, has got an internal diameter of closer to two inches. It's like 1.9. And this hose gets bloated. And if you follow anything that's Dennis Secure does, then you know where I'm going with this next. And so it produced kink after kink after kink. And uh, it just didn't work for us. And so... I mean, I was crushed. I was crushed that this idea didn't work, but I knew it wouldn't work. And that was the point, was that I came back, we tried it, and then we moved on past it. And now when someone mentions it, we talk to them, yes, it won't work for us. Now, that doesn't even mean in a couple of years I won't go back and try it again because maybe the construction of the hose has changed. But for now, putting it through its paces and sweating it out is the, the most important thing. Where this fails is when we create a culture where people are afraid to step in and try stuff. Uh, and I know plenty of officers, and I'm sure your audience does well, that they'll give a scenario to their folks only if they know the answer to it, or they'll give them a difficult scenario that maybe they don't know the answer to, and then they'll stand in the back, and they'll wait for these folks to stumble through it. And then when they recognize where they are in the process, then they'll step forward, and they look like a golden god of fire knowledge. But all they did was hide. That's where artificial experience hurts us, you know, where where they hide behind their rank or they hide behind they're running the drill uh, and they don't spend the time actually going through it but in terms of using technology we should we should absolutely be using technology like fire does not fight fair so why the hell should we i mean we should be using every advantage that we have to try to get folks as much experience as they can and if watching a youtube video of a house fire out in ohio from the convenience of a fire station in virginia Let's do it. There's nothing wrong with that at all. As long as we have some experience actually providing some perspective about what it is they're seeing, not just the social media comments down at the bottom part of the video. All right, Benjamin Martin, thanks for talking with us today. I appreciate it, Scott. Thank you. And we've put some more information about why artificial experience can be a problem as well as Ben's company, Embrace the Resistance, on our website at code3podcast.com slash artificial. Check it out. Now, here comes your trivia question. NFPA 220 classifies buildings into five classes. What type is wood frame construction? No cheating. I'll the answer right after this. If you like Code 3, you'll love the Code 3 Bull Session. It's more discussion with our guests on any topic. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's not so serious. But it's only available to patrons of Code 3. Find out what you've been missing. Go to Code3Podcast.com slash support. Pledge just $10 a month to support Code 3, and you'll get immediate access to all the Bull Sessions in our library and future interviews as we post them. Become a patron today, support the show, and get access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions. Here's the trivia answer. NFPA 220 classification for wood frame construction is Type 5. Did you remember that without having to look it up? All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. I'd love to hear what you think of the show. Just email me 
scott at code3podcast.com or go to the website code3podcast.com and click on the contact link. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com. <laughs>